Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cars Unfiltered podcast. I think we're all back this time, right? Yeah. 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 We we have um we have Adam back. Yep. Fine we right. have we have Sal. I'm back. And we have Mike. And hopefully this won't be a uh, well, it, it won't be. It's going to be better than the podcast where it's just Tom and I because there's people to keep us on track now. Well, they can try. Um, <laughs> okay, so maybe it is hopefully. <laughs> maybe. So uh, Sal and Mike's audio is a little iffy. I don't know if anybody noticed, but we have audio, a lot of audio problems on this podcast. But uh, We need to get that figured out. We do. I know how to figure it out, but it requires – there's no angle of this that doesn't require money. Um, so yeah, but uh, his computer is on the Mike's computer is on the fritz, and uh, actually Adam's brother is taking a look at it for us, and eventually that'll be back and it'll be good again. Hopefully, and in the meantime, I'm using a computer that I don't have admin privileges for, so it won't load the driver software for uh, or the driver, I guess, for my freaking um, yeah uh, board, I uh, mixing board, so. We're stuck using the built-in system microphone, which is not that good. There is nothing more soothing than hearing Mike talk about technology. <laughs> Don't get me started about technology, Tom. You don't want to hear my opinions on that. Don't worry. We'll get him back later with uh, with a topic that apparently he has no idea about. So, in any case, uh, do you want to go over our sponsor again? Because we got to start doing the sponsor thing. It's true. Uh, you go. You do it so well, Mike. I think you should do it. Oh, so yeah. This episode is brought to you by Detroit Bold Coffee, which is uh, I think their slogan is fueling hardworking people. And so I wanted to pose the question of are are we hardworking people? Are we classified in that? Uh, so, yes. With all the work you're doing to the truck, you definitely are. I don't know about the rest of us. <laughs> all right. Well, good then. So there's a reason that they gave us coffee. I guess. <laughs> yes, it's because. Well, I mean, it's because of you. And quite frankly, if, if you don't, if you quit working so hard, I doubt the rest of us are going to pick up the slack. So yeah, I don't think we're going to last week. I quit working. Yeah. Cool. Well, after, um, so uh, after the strong start to this podcast, <laughs> uh, we wanted to get into today's news segments. And speaking of the lack of hard work, uh, we're going to talk autonomous cars today. And the uh, the first topic on the agenda, though, is that there was a news article in some place that I forgot that I probably should have known. But uh, there's a news article talking about the government wanting to have the ability to shut off autonomous vehicles. So let's say they think you're you know drunk driver or something like that. They want to be able to um, take control over the car, shut it off, whatever the case is. So. We're going to go lean right into where this thing. So what do you guys think about this? There was a comment on our Slack that uh, Mike said that this is the exact reason why he'll still be driving a regular car. It's true. There's, so, I'm opposed to this. On all, on all matters of principle, I am opposed to this. Well, I think, I think there's some interesting things here. There's a couple interesting things. One, there's definitely kind of a tinfoil hat-wearing uh, angle that could be taken on this. Um, and then secondly, I think it could very much, well, most, it's actually like some municipalities, police departments actually have this ability already. Um, if they have enough money to buy the equipment and you know, it, you happen to have a new enough car. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, so you're saying like the scene in Fast and the Furious where they have that disc that shuts down the cars can actually happen? 
I haven't seen that oh, Fast and the Furious, gosh. apparently. This is terrible. Yeah. Does, does anyone know uh, what I'm talking about? They shoot it out of a gun, and it's a little disc. I don't know what I've seen in the Fast and the Furious, but yeah, that was the one that no, the early Fast and Furious ones was three fingers got that got pronged yep. into the cars. Yeah, the pronged in, yeah. and then the one in the UK was the one with the discs that shut down the cars. Yeah, okay. So you're saying they hack into it though? Isn't it included in OnStar on GM vehicles? Can't they do that with OnStar? Yes, yes, they can. And that's actually uh, different, obviously, like a built-in technology. But no, the technology that um, that I'm talking about works on cars without OnStar. Uh, it's sort of an... Uh, uh, I want to go and venture a, a, a gander, or venture a guess, in that it's EMP technology, electromagnetic magnetic pulse um, technology that essentially will cause um, the car to stutter and stall for a bit. It actually, though, as I understand it, doesn't really um, disable the car permanently, but it does make it, like, come to a stop. Just like the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm opposed to all that kind of technology, to be honest with you. So um, I think from my side, and to your point, regardless of the Big Brother aspect to it, I don't know if that this would be safe because – the police doesn't really know what the situation is in the car, right? And and shutting down a car remotely, you would almost have to give them the ability for the car, send a signal for the car to pull over rather than, like, stop or something, right? Because otherwise, it could just cause havoc on the roads if a cop can just overtake the car. Well, I can I imagine that well, if it... it in an autonomous car, if it's built in, it would probably be built in with some pullover type feature, right? Yeah. But at the same time, we know how reckless cops are, right? They're not necessarily the most considerate individuals all the time. Uh, notice I said all the time, so I put a caveat in there. Uh, but it's, my concern is uh, an abuse of power by someone that I guess that feels slighted or uh, – or otherwise entitled to be able to do this. And we saw this earlier in Detroit with, um, earlier this year, I'm sorry, in Detroit, where a cop tased a kid that was on a four-wheeler on the road simply because he had a vendetta out for the kid. Instead of bringing, instead of stopping him by other means, he tased him, which is basically an instant shutdown, right, of the, the capability to drive the vehicle, and it killed the kid. So I can see, uh, I could see parallel scenarios happening with autonomous vehicles if that was part of the system. I I could also see you know, twelve year olds figuring out how to access the system and having lots of fun on the freeway. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird situation. And I think some of it plays into the fact, right, that we're and we've talked about this before. That in the future, some models it won't even be your car anymore, right? So it, they might be able to, you know, if it's through Hertz or through the OEM, you know, what, to Mike's point, is it, is it even your car? Do you even have personal rights to the vehicle or whatever, right? I mean, there's still a lot of unknowns or, or whatever, but I don't know. Adam, what do you think? <sighs> I don't like that. I mean, I don't like the ability of anybody to have control over my car other than me. I don't even like riding with people. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> note that next I, time to Detroit, Tom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's already he he already like has it's it's we have to take his vehicle because yeah I, I always offer like hey man I can drive he's like no nope, <laughs> don't want you to drive 
<laughs> Unless we're going to Detroit. Um, <laughs> that Raptor suspension on Detroit roads. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fan. I don't think I don't think you should just be able to shut somebody's car off. I mean, there's too much of an opportunity for abuse with that. I think, but my biggest thing I think is that it really ruins the seven o'clock news. You know, <laughs> I mean, you won't have those days where you know you're sitting down to dinner and you turn on the news and bam, you get to watch a car chase. And I'd just like to thank you, Mike. For potentially keeping that dream alive. When's the last time you sat down and watched a car chase on the news? When's the last time you watched the news? What are you, 50 years old? (laughs) Uh, Do I have to answer that? I claim no comment. I can already see it, though. It'll be one of those, it'll be like a Blade Runner thing, and they'll just have a Michael be walking slowly towards his garage. There'll be something underneath a tarp. You don't know what it is, is the audience, and boom, he takes it off. It's a regular car. He's with some sort of kid from the future, and the future's like, what are those black things on the bottom? And Mike will be like, tires. You're not wrong. In retrospect, that was, could have been taken a completely different way, so we're going to go ahead and bypass that. Um, but in any case, so you bring up an important part, because you know what might be in the news pretty soon, uh, uh, Tom? Uh, what what oh, could yeah. that be? See, this is a, I'll give this segue a B, but in any case, uh, coming up here in about a month <laughs> from what we understand, uh, the NAIAS is going to make uh, a decision on whether the auto show uh, will be held in Detroit going forward in the future or whether they're going to move it. No, not move it to Detroit. They're going to move it from December or January to the summer months like June. Uh, is what the decision is. I thought last year there were talks about moving it to a different city. Yeah, I think that got uh, shut down for the most part. And mm-hmm. now it's centered around the timing. But yes. Uh, and they- so the, the news, in the news, anyways, is talk of uh, moving the auto show from January, as has it's historically been, to June. And that brought us to the thought process of whether or not auto shows are even necessary to sell cars now. What do you think, Tom? Um, well, to be honest with you, every car that I am interested in, like seriously interested in, I have not seen at a car at the Detroit have auto show. Have you seen any auto show though? So honestly, probably CES in Geneva. But I didn't hear about it from there first, right? So, I, so this is what I would say about cars. In my like, this is my experience. Cars, you see the pictures and stuff online, right? And this uh, this is the reason I think that they actually model them like full size in clay. Like some of the pictures don't look good. Like if you think about the uh, Mustang restyle, when we saw the first saw the pictures of those, we're like, eh, not that great. Um, but then in person, it's a lot better. Same thing with Porsche. To me, like Porsche is a perfect. If you go to Porsche's website and look at their, you know, models of the cars, images or whatever, you're like, eh, it doesn't look that good. You see one in person though, and like the scale and the depth of the design is so much more uh, tangible and tactile. So I think that said, <laughs> at the Detroit Auto Show, you can, you know, basically the the Chevy Malibu and stuff like that looks the same on the website. Those <laughs> person, so, um, Terrible. Uh, <laughs> yep. So, I mean, 
it's just i mean i don't know but like i said the like car companies don't seem to be you know bringing stuff to detroit um so that would influence my purchase of a car i think if i saw you know was able to see yeah, it in person they don't seem to be and that's um, the article they don't seem to be bringing any new releases or not big releases anymore to auto shows there's always press releases nowadays it's almost like you know ford lately has been uh uh, bringing cars like a day early right so it's before the auto show is a reveal and stuff although i will say uh my old man is one of the few people that still goes to the auto show <laughs> who compares models and then decides what his next car is going to be which recently it was and i still can't figure out i think it's the glc it's the mercedes uh cuv and it's uh the he did get the compressor one so i couldn't give him too harder the amg yeah, compressor whatever so I couldn't get in too hard of a time, but he does actually still go and look at them. But, but yeah, I mean, and, and the Detroit one, I think this year has been or has been lacking from the big concept cars, right? Like I, I assume that the Jaguar one you're talking about is a Rimac because everything's Rimac for you, Tom. <laughs> so I guess that leads to the bigger question, you know? I guess what sells cars, right? So we we got into the discussion earlier right and and there was for a long time right it was win on sunday race on sunday race on sunday buy on monday yeah well you know it was, sell win, on monday. It was win on sunday sell on monday good so yeah. i screwed that one up but uh you get the point right so people you'd win a nascar race right and it used to be back when it was stock cars right cars that were meant to be uh replications of of street cars um and then, you know, that would drive sales, right? And then along with that, you would have, you would push all your new technologies, right? So they'd say, oh, this Dodge really has, you know, a big engine. And then the people would want to go on Monday and be like, I want that big engine, right? Well, you still see a lot of, uh, you still see a lot of race tech that's adopted to production vehicles, right? But I don't know that the consumer is... Um, let's say technically minded enough to really care anymore. Right. So if you were to think about, um, think about fuel injection. Yeah. So the first time that fuel injection was used was in 1954, Mercedes introduced it in, uh, in racing, their race cars, right? I don't know what circuit they were at, but they introduced it in 1954. Nice. What's that? Nice factoid. You like that? See, I'm, I got nice facts, fact, man. I got right. all sorts of facts. Mm-hmm. You want to you hear my next fact? The next fact is in 1955, yeah. Chevy introduced fuel injection. Snap. And you know what that did? One year later. That drastically increased the sales of Chevys in 1955. So, um, it's not, granted, it didn't drastically increase the, the amount of sales of fuel-injected vehicles, but simply the fact that some Corvettes were outfitted with fuel injection increased the sales of Chevrolets in general significantly, right? Um, and so I, I don't know what the what the current tech would be that does that for people. Like, is that is there something that the manufacturers, I guess, do or? Uh, it's been adapted from racing or from anywhere really that people are interested enough in that it's going to sell more vehicles. So I, I know one, but I want to ask the 
Mr. and Mr. Supercar over there, if they can name one recent example <laughs> of a technology that was debuted in racing that is affecting the market now. How about or that could affect the market in the future? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Adam. Actually, actually, Adam wouldn't know it as much. Tom, you may know it. It's not Rimac related, so it might, it's questionable, but yeah. Oh, uh, like a specific thing? Um, I'll give you a hint. Almost every supercar with... company now is leaning towards this or is using this. this. Uh, um, I'm going to go yeah, exactly, with but hybrid what specifically about the hybrids is different now in those cars? <laughs> um, I, I can't believe I got that right. Like, that was a total guess. And I was actually kind of leaning towards messing that up. Um, <laughs> dang it. Uh, let's go with what yeah. is regenerative actually, braking, I don't know if that came Alex? From racing. I doubt it. I, mean, I doubt it. Very highly what, doubt I was, it. what I was looking for there, and, and now that the, we've lost all the listenership, um, so basically the idea that hybrid powertrains, right, before racing applications were typically the idea was that you would have – a hybrid system that would get charged by the engine. Essentially, you had an engine and a, um, a battery in parallel, right? What racing started doing, and I was thinking about this earlier, I couldn't remember if it was F1 or no, Indy or... That would be in series, because the bat, uh, engine charged the electric No, system, but, so you, but it series. only drives them. It only drives... One of them is used to drive the car right. at any time. If it was in parallel, both could be used to drive. Agree to disagree. Yeah. No. Yeah, you can drive it off the engine, or you can drive it off the bed. Interesting yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like a Prius. Eight years engineering degree. Yeah, like a Prius, yeah. right? But in one of the racing series, I think it was was it F one? Was it that failed year? Basically, they started putting the batteries in line um, with the engine, right? Or the the motors in line with the engine to overcome basically low spots in power, right? So you get really early power instantaneously. Um, and you would actually push through and, and add it, right? So it became an additive. So if you had a 600 horsepower race car, you added two batteries. Now it became 800 horsepower. Now it's in series. Right. Now it's in series. Yes. So that was that was a race car idea, right? And I'm, I'm almost positive that the E turbos and E superchargers now were race tech, um, or at least proven out in race tech, right? Which are turbochargers and superchargers that are run off of a battery so that you don't have any spool up time. Right, so is that how they eliminated that? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense, I suppose. So they run them off batteries, so that basically you can you can start spooling them up instantaneously, right? You don't have to wait for momentum of the engine to carry around. Um, so it's still happening, and, and to some extent, I do think I was reading an article because some of what spurred this. There was an article from a Ford exec um, from Product that was basically was saying that you know racing is not selling cars anymore, right? And then there was another article talking about how. Right now, the most revolutionary and, and important for car tech of the future is the Formula E, right? Because they're learning a lot of stuff on electric powertrains that can get applied in the future. Um, but I guess to me, right, it begs the question that even, you know, us at a, at a what I'll say, a, a higher level enthusiast, we have an understanding of how racing is important. But, I mean, I can't even tell you the last time I watched a race. Now, some of that might be an American thing, right? Because I think F1 is still 
pretty popular, but uh, but I don't know that people watch NASCAR to determine whether they're going to get a Toyota or a Chevy anymore. Well, and the cars are so far removed anymore yeah. from something that you're actually going to buy that I don't think it directly translates. I mean, nowadays it translates in terms of tech um, and also in terms of advertising dollars, right? Because that's huge. Where else can you go and get 3 million people on a given whatever whatever long program to sit in, in your stand and look at your ads, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yes, that's true. Kylie Jenner's nice, uh, Instagram. Nice self, self-made billionaire there. Oh, yeah, she was on the Forbes uh, yeah. cover as a yeah. billionaire. That's yeah, funny. self-made. Yeah, uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> I mean, she didn't have a sex tape, but... <laughs> no, yeah, sure, but... <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that one for a different podcast, because that's on, that's on Sal's celebrity, uh, celebrity dirt podcast. I've been, I've been wanting to do a just like a sneaker and pop culture-related podcast for the longest time. But now, now you have the, re- the reason to do it. Yes, yes. I just need. I just need the backing. We could have one where you teach. So, me if any of so. you, which I highly doubt, based on our viewership, are interested in pop culture and sneakers and regular <laughs> culture in sports, just yeah, just everything. But you realize we still haven't answered the question of what sells cars today. Yeah, this, my uh, my plan of focusing on anything really got derailed. But yeah, so I mean, I guess we, we covered to some extent in the sense that so we don't think it's auto shows necessarily anymore, right? I don't we think, think it's auto shows. We at all. think people go in targeted to those. Um, I think it's it's a lot of it. I don't even know now, right? Because I mean, to some extent, right? You look at like the Cadillac ads, right? The Cadillac ads were intended to sell a lifestyle, but that didn't work. The models aren't good enough to sell that. I don't think that Ford is personally making a ton of headway on transitioning people over from models, right? I think right now what sells basically is is quality, right? Assuming someone maintaining the customers that you do have through quality. Tom, why why are you thinking about switching brands? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, which brand? We have a really bad effort. Well. Uh, which, by the way, we have a really bad echo going on here. I'm not sure what the deal is. Um, I've had a lot of issues with uh, with Ford stuff lately. A lot of it's been debugging, so it's cost a lot to try and uh, debug things and figure out where my problems are. And uh, I, I basically, my the gist of it is, if I have to pay Mercedes prices for maintenance or Porsche prices for maintenance, or Ferrari so what prices you, for what maintenance. So what are you debugging? Is it Why your Raptor or your two-door fusion? That was good. That was good. <laughs> no, the, the, the Fusion would, if it was a Fusion, it would still be working. Um, yeah. the uh, A bunch of things. So actually, all three vehicles have had problems that have taken time to go and debug, and that's kind of, uh, you know... It's it's just been really obnoxious, like the taking the time. You know, you hear the horror stories about Mercedes or something where like, oh, I, had, I was in the shop three times this month. Like since the beginning of the year, my stuff has been in the shop. Like if I add up the time of all vehicles together, total, it's been about um, this year, uh, probably two That's months worth. They've been sitting at a dealership parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
I mean, I'm going to so, resolve. So we don't tell him that it's buying cars based on maintenance costs. But that's, that's and what he feels is value yeah. for money. Well, but I'd argue, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Well, here's here's the thing. To to be quite honest, like I've sat in like nice cars, you know, like more expensive brand cars, and if I'm honest, the tactile feel and touch and feel of them, it is better. The thing that people are always afraid of is the maintenance cost because, like, oh, it's a German. I gotta order this part from Germany, and my thing, like the the cost difference for difference for price or for the the cost difference for parts now is really not that far apart. Um, and then the other thing is too, like, I think that the German engineering teams have a better technical support, um, and I think that they know, like, when something goes wrong, like they know what it is, whereas. You know, in this one particular case, uh, my car keeps randomly stalling, and then it won't start again for forty-five minutes. And uh, but then it does, and it doesn't happen all the I, time. And I will give you no, that. I think like good way. I to think a lot of people no good these way days to figure it out. Uh, are willing to change or consider changing their brand loyalty, assuming they were loyal to begin with, uh, based on the ability of the service uh, department, I guess, to fix their problems uh, easily and well, right? Which is why I think you're considering on changing. Um, and it's generally, the the, down, the the problem with that is, the man, as working for a manufacturer, we have almost zero control over your experience at the dealership. Because you, you can train and train and train, but at the end of the day, the dealership is ran the way that the dealer, the dealership owner wants to run his dealership. And it, it's, uh, it's unfortunate in that respect because uh, I think it, regardless of the manufacturer, right, generally the engineers that have worked on that car are, um, are very proud of their work. Right. If you were to talk to a Peugeot engineer, I'm sure he's very proud of the Peugeot that comes off the end of the line. I don't think he cares. He's just and maybe not. It's okay. Maybe not Peugeot. Okay. Not the Peugeot. He's just sitting there smoking a cigarette. All saying, right. Big deal. <laughs> it breaks down. Fix it. Well, well, well. Well, the thing is, though, too. So, like another instance, like a GM instance, right? Is a friend of mine. Um, they had a problem where. Basically, like they'd step on the brake pedal and their brake lights would go off, right? Um, and they'd be well, on all the time. The otherwise, they took the car three times to get the same problem fixed, but it was a different issue each time. And I don't know what kind of engineering. Yeah, pull the plugs off the end of the switch and install them on the other end of the switch. You're done. It works. And it was Wait, something you're different each time, but it caused the same result. Example. Whatever. Bad yeah, no, that's a bad example. But like, even so, even then, right? And then I guess we can wrap up the. There's a bad topic. example. No, I don't know how yet, Adam, so, but like, but like, so my like, point about the German thing, right? So my dad has had German cars basically ever since he came to the states and could afford them, right? He got rid of one of his Mercedes, his first Mercedes, because he had so many electrical problems, right? He actually lived through it, um, and then like a light bulb went out, and it was like a two hundred dollar light bulb. So, and they're not unique, right? And then now, as an example, just to Mike's point about dealers, right? So my dad got, I think it was last year, it was like a Cayman. Um, he went, it was a used Cayman, right? It had no mileage on it. It had like 5,000 miles on it, right? 
but he bought it, um, drove it around, and about, call it a thousand miles in, it said oil change needed. And so he took it to the dealer, and they're like, oh, yeah, we didn't do, an, you need an oil change. And he's like, I just bought this like a thousand miles ago. I was like, yeah, but we didn't do the oil change, and you didn't say anything. So they charged what? him for the oil change, which for a Porsche is like 150 200 bucks. That's fucked that they didn't include that in the purchase price. So you should think, right, it's a Porsche dealership. You're buying a Porsche. They should change the oil. Yeah, that's fucked. Right? So I guess the dealership yeah. thing is a crapshoot. And I do agree that the, the, the American company's dealership reputation is less than sterling. Um. Right. So, but I guess at that point, it goes back to the larger point that we were talking about. And I agree with you where I think quality these days sells the cars, right? And to some extent, it's quality and uh, like return customers, right? If they have good quality, not necessarily they read it, but if they experience good quality when they go get a new car. And, and I guess to some extent, it's always been that, right? There's been a lot of that at least going back in history, that if you had a good experience with the car, you'll keep buying it, and then people just keep buying the same cars. Um, although I'm sure that the the um, durability and the service of foreign import cars, especially in the U.S., has, has changed that dyna- dynamic a bit. What do you think, Adam? Um, you know, I think that one of the biggest things, um, like you said, that, you know, the dealer is run how the dealer principal wants to run the dealer, you know? Um, I feel like European high-end brands like Mercedes-Benz, you know, they put more pressure on their dealerships, um, to operate appropriately. But I think a lot of that could just be avoided if we got rid of dealers. I mean, that's what Tesla's doing. You buy directly from the factory. Why do we need the dealership middleman? Because America. Because <laughs> laws. <laughs> Somebody decided they wanted a law about See, it. But that'll be yeah, interesting. Somebody, somebody whose buddy owned a dealership. Exactly. <laughs> so, so to that point, though, I, I'm actually very curious on what's going to happen once Tesla gets all their manufacturing issues down, right? If that ever happens. If that ever happens. What happens when you get a whole generation of kids that look at, buy, look at buying that car as like a cell phone and then can't afford it? Right, because the Tesla not having a dealership, it's just so. I, I listened to or I watch a YouTuber named Casey Neistat, and he has a podcast as well. Um, and he just bought a Tesla, but he went in. All it took, they took down his name, his information, and a thousand dollar deposit, and he had his name down for a Tesla, and he took delivery like eight weeks later. A thousand dollars. That's it. Yeah, I can wow. see that being. So, like, to my point, like, when you're saying what sells car now, I think that there's going to be a huge bubble market. I think that Tom should wait a couple years and just <laughs> sweep up all these Teslas and all these young techie fanboys that are looking at it as, uh, you know, a, a piece of tech are, are not going to be able to afford them long term. For the same reason that people that buy regular why, cars why can't afford, afford them. No one can afford the cars they're buying now, but making it easier and making it – Tesla is sold basically on tech hype. But, well, I, so what Sal, I think part of what Sal's getting at here is like if you walk into a dealership now and you want to buy a car, right. they're going to check your credit history well, and they're going to make sure you've got a job and blah, blah, blah. Whereas what, what is uh, – 
understanding of what this YouTube guy did is he literally walked in with a thousand dollar check and said, I want a Tesla and walked back out and got a Tesla eight weeks later. Right. Uh, yeah, I, oh, yeah, he bought a the, cash. The he Tesla, bought a straight like, cash. I get that, there, but I, like, I mean, first of all, Casey Neistat. That, I, I think that there's a lot of Tesla drivers that couldn't care loaded. less about the vehicle. Um, they look at it as a like if they're buying a new MacBook, but, but more I mean, expensive. Well, the thing, so here's what you see. Okay, so I've researched Tesla Model S's like a lot because I, I was interested in potentially buying one. And you do see that. So you see people who bought, you know, 2012, 13, 14 Teslas. And you actually see them, like, if you look at the listings for a lot of like year or two old Teslas, they're saying, like, oh, I'm selling this because I'm upgrading to the new one. But at the same time, these people have money. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that there's going to be, like, this situation where, I, I mean, I feel or, like... Or even you bring up that point, um, right? What short, about, short the market, you know, if you have if a ton of money a and a Tesla's a status symbol, because they just don't have the money flipping them, right? Just keep, oh, I'm going to get the new one, I'm going to get the new one, I'm going to get the new one, right? Um, F-150s. <laughs> and F-150s. <laughs> yeah. But people do that yeah. with Lambos and uh, Yeah, I Bentley just see, I don't know. And, uh, I, I, and this and might be a personal. Now, so. I, don't get me wrong. I don't mind the Teslas as vehicles and yep. stuff. But yep. Platinum, I, just, I see it as a different buyer. I personally think that there's going to be an influx. I think if you look two, years, two, three years down the road, there's going to be a lot of pretty good-shaped Tesla Model 3s available. I don't think that's a car that people are going to keep for a long time. I tend, to, I tend to agree now that you bring it up. I do tend to agree. And, 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 and the problem, but the problem is that well, since you yeah. don't have dealers, how do you handle, well, or can you lease one? Version, what right? happens like, to Elite? I don't think there's a super, what happens to Elite? Super, Who do they sell it to? Yeah. Uh, right now, the way that it works is they have, I mean, Tesla, you can buy pre-owned Teslas, um, and a lot of the like luxury manufacturers do the same thing. And those could be leases or, you know, people I think can even trade, trade in a, a Tesla that they own. Um, but what they'll probably do is something very similar to what Apple does to, um, Mac, you know, MacBooks and iPhones and things that are older. Um, the, you know, if you look at a Tesla model three, model S model X, whatever, there's a lot of material in there that is actually reusable. So probably what you'll see happening if Tesla's still around yeah, in five years. I mean, that's a good point. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see how it happens. But piece, I but, mean, I uh, think that the, the that tech still around, points, you'll see right? And I wrote this program. in one of the articles. I think the tech points also are, are a big factor these days on, uh, on selling cars. But I don't know. In any case, yeah. Well, I mean... I mean, that's the big difference. That's the big difference with like my Raptor versus a newer Raptor, right? Is like, I mean, for the my uses of the vehicle, I I mean, it goes fast enough. I mean, I love it faster, but uh, it goes fast enough. Um, you know, it drives easy enough. It gets about the same gas mileage as the newer ones. Um, you know, the difference is like, okay, I can get um, mine. You know, didn't have cooled seats, and it doesn't have. It has an older, uh, an aging infotainment system, so. Well, you know, but are you willing to pay the uh, 
the thing that you're if you think about it coming back to this thing a little bit the thing that you're willing to pay for right is not it's it's like what percentage of you know if you're willing to pay seventy five thousand dollars for a new raptor like if you're me and you have an older raptor that's really pretty much you know capable um you're paying for the hope that that you're paying for the dealer warranty you're paying for the new infotainment system which is maybe 15 or 20 percent of your motivation to probably buy it and but what you're really paying for probably the majority yeah. of it, it of the cost I guess is so. um so like this new thing i guess to make a long story cool short none of like us know what, what sells cards yeah. anymore that's what you're saying um Speaking of the Raptor, though, Tom, I, I just want to see you squirm a little bit. I heard some very exciting news about uh, Raptor hey. moving forward today that I can't share because it's uh, top secret information. But it's very, <laughs> very exciting. Very exciting. So, in any case, let's transition uh, straight into our Elkin update. Speaking of trucks, we're going to uh, go way old with the truck for the guy that buys cars basically on hmm how much work is it going to take to me rebuild this yeah i think that's about accurate <laughs> also this is the first time i just want to know this is the first time i'm watching the uh um the oscillation for the voice on the audio and jesus we are way out of scale with you guys so apologies on <laughs> that dear listeners it's definitely gonna be um yeah, so Alcan update. I was when Sal walked up today. I was it's all, it's on all up to me, folks. And folks it's all up to me. Um, I've about got the right hand side fit, I guess. So I'm gonna have to pull it out now later tonight, and then finish weld it, and then reinstall it, um, and then I'll get started on the driver's side. Um, I'm gonna go take the bed wood to a buddy of mine, and he's going to cut that down and finish it for me so that I can just install it to save myself a little bit of time. And Saturday, I'm leaving to go to North Carolina to pick up fenders. So hopefully we'll have fenders and lights on the truck come, like, Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, and I got the windshield in. So the windshield's in, the rear window's then, in. I mean, that's both pretty side much as far as, like, absolute in. minimum uh, But both of the regulators seem to have a little bit of a problem. Balance, right? So I do, like, I do that's need pretty a little much bit it. of troubleshooting there before I can finish putting the interior in. Um, but, yeah, it's coming together nicely, I suppose, even though it's kind of getting close to deadline time. I was going to say, I think another important thing, Tom, is getting it to uh, run reliably. I think that that one is a pretty good yeah. essential, which... Speaking of which, I think we were discussing making a maiden voyage to Owasu, and Mike wants Owasu. Mike <laughs> wants me to go, so I'll make sure to wear all my football pads and helmet. And <laughs> well, bring bring a, bring a jug of water and then an empty jug of water just in case. <laughs> yeah, I think that's more likely. I think actually, I think. I think really what you're going to want is a, a fresh cell phone battery and road flares. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, it'd be good to like get it up here and uh, see. I mean, so yeah, when this episode actually gets released, we'll have exactly a month before we leave. Um, and that is pretty sobering in and of itself. Uh, so we are hoping to do a couple uh, medium long distance sure. runs. We're going to see what happens. It's going to be the pretty much an untested sure vehicle cool. on its way to us. Uh, everything seats in and beds well. 
I think that's, uh, we'll just, I mean, and we'll see what happens pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, some of it too, we still need to go and like test it on the highway, see how fast, how stable it is. It, and then it obviously there could be modifications yeah. needed for that. And then we can it's also, uh, work on interior yeah. ride noise with some baffling, uh, baffling, bleh. what do you call it? Ba yeah. Baffling. That's not right. Insulation, yes. So, yeah. And on and the bright side, if you don't make it back, then I can get, turn this channel into a um, sneakers and pop culture channel. So, I'll already have all the infrastructure. More episodes. Um, it will be the most awkwardly named one, but I'll have a, a slot to vent out all the noise about the newest uh, shoe releases. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I mean, it'll be because they like me. Well, your That's listenership, the ones so. that stay, will be very devoted to your podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching the oscillation as well, and it's very exactly. few and far between. It's cool. Kind of All right, funny. well, is that pretty much it for now? I think. <laughs> no, not anything from you, Adam. I feel, I feel like Adam's like over in the corner. <laughs> oh, we yeah. I know. We should do another uh, uh, sit down so video actually, recorded comes back around. Facebook we need to do an in-person one when, uh, again you guys here bring truck up to Owasso. Uh, those are always fun. And we've just been with the Alcan stuff like and getting the truck ready yeah, and well, that happens, everything. Like, we've been super busy. So next weekend hopefully we'll have time after, to so. do that again. We should, that, should definitely do that, though. That would be awesome. The last oh, that sure. far. Yeah, right? <laughs> Oh, hopefully not the weekend after, dude. You're cut. We we <laughs> we're gonna be in trouble. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, stay tuned and follow us on the Instagrams. Actually, we just we just crossed five thousand followers on Instagram, so that's super super exciting. Um, check out our Facebook and Twitter and CarsUnfiltered.com. We'll see you guys next time.